Hello, and a warm welcome to my Asthma Spotlight podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Levy. I'm a family doctor with a special interest in asthma. My aim is to help people with asthma and also their caregivers to understand more about this disease and how to stay safe. I will share lots of information about asthma. However, I will not be able to answer any personal medical questions for which you should really consult your own doctor. The opinions I express in the Asthma Spotlight podcast are my own and they are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical, health or professional advice of any kind. Please do see the disclaimer details in the podcast description. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Asthma Spotlight podcast. Um, severe asthma is a real problem, and one of the problems is that many people who've got severe asthma are not referred to a specialist, and even when they do get referred, sometimes um, they don't see someone who has expertise in, in asthma care, and so severe asthma might not be diagnosed. And so today, it's my great pleasure and, and honor to be joined by a colleague who is an expert in pediatric asthma care and that's uh, Louise Fleming. And so welcome, Louise. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, Mark. And thank you very much for um, inviting me to be on the podcast. So I'm a respiratory paediatrician. I lead the Severe Asthma Service at the Royal Brompton Hospital in London, and also um, newly started also at the West London Children's Hospital, where I'll be helping to develop the asthma services there as well. So looking after kind of children across the spectrum with asthma. Thanks. Right. And good luck with your new job. Thank you. Um, so for for parents, really, can you describe what we mean by asthma severity and also talk a bit about um, uh, the fact that if someone's dis, uh, defined as having mild asthma, that it doesn't really mean that they, they're not at any risk? Yes. So so asthma severity really is kind of thinking about the combination of the amount of treatment a child is on and also the symptoms or the attacks that they have. So a child who's being prescribed um, high doses of inhaled steroids and other add-on therapies, and yet despite that, is having kind of ongoing problems with their asthma, 
then that would suggest that their asthma is severe. However, before we can really kind of make that diagnosis, it's important to consider whether there are factors that we can change to help improve their asthma control without just going up and up on the amounts of treatment. And the sorts of things we look at are whether they're on the right treatment, whether they can use their inhaler correctly, whether they're taking their treatment, whether there are other factors driving their symptoms, such as exposures to allergens, cigarette smoke, vaping, whether there are other um, factors that are contributing to their symptoms, such as their breathing pattern. And kind of we take a holistic view to look at all of that and to see actually if we if we can identify those issues and if we can improve them, whether asthma control improves. And it's only and those children who continue to have um, kind of problems with poor control and asthma attacks have en- end up with a label of severe asthma once we've kind of addressed those issues. But what I think it's important to highlight is that children with asthma of any severity can have asthma attacks. Those asthma attacks can be severe and they can be life-threatening. So we tend not to use the term mild asthma. So either you have asthma or the term severe asthma is of is use because it, you know it kind of helps us to direct which children should need a step up in treatment. But all children with asthma have the potential for asthma attacks and need to be managed appropriately and take the right treatment. Okay, so what what would be the clues that parents would look at, or that um, general practitioners, or even general pediatricians, should consider when deciding whether a child has severe asthma? Mm-hmm. So the really key things to look at are whether they're having asthma attacks. Now, a single asthma attack should be a red flag to say that actually there's something that isn't right about their asthma management, their asthma hasn't been optimised, and that should be seen as an opportunity to optimise that management. Really, once a child is having you know, two or more courses of steroids in a year, then that should be an indicator that they need referring. Other indicators are looking at symptom scores, so whether they're having frequent symptoms, and also the amount of reliever inhaler or short-acting beta agonist that they're using, and looking at the amount of that that's being prescribed. And again, that should be a flag to say, actually, there's something not right with this child's asthma management. They're not being managed optimally, and that's why they're needing lots of reliever inhaler Whereas actually, if the management is right, reliever inhaler should not be the kind of the mainstay of treatment for asthma. Okay, so those are some suggestions and clues for parents um, to know when to ask their uh, their doctor to um, be referred on to see a specialist. And so why, why is severe asthma so important? What are the risks of severe asthma? So... I mean, as I've mentioned, any child with asthma can be at risk of an asthma attack, but we know children of greater severity, the risks the risks there are higher. The children with severe asthma, we know that they disproportionately have admissions to hospital, have asthma attacks. They end up having their treatment escalated. So there's the kind of risks in terms of the treatment they're on and whether that's right and whether there are any risks from side effects. If a child is having kind of lots of attacks, that can affect their growth because they're needing lots of courses of oral steroids and it can also impact on their lung function. Now, the good news, that's the bad news. The good news is there is there are treatments 
There are additional treatments that we can add in to help reduce those attacks and reduce the amount of courses of steroids that are needing. So it's really important to identify those children, to ensure that they're seen in the correct center by the the right team so that then those decisions can be made as to whether those children will be eligible for the sorts of treatments um, that we can use for severe asthma. Okay, and talking about the UK, what what's the availability like of um, access to specialists who who can deal with um, asthma of that level of severity, or even who can decide whether the child does have asthma or does have severe asthma? So it's quite variable. So in some areas, there'll be kind of very well-recognized centers and perhaps even within a small area, more than one centers. And we know that in other parts of the UK, there are much less well-defined pathways and well-defined centers um, that that specialize in children with severe asthma. So much of the work we've been doing with NHS England is to try and improve those pathways to make sure children are identified early, that they move through the system in an appropriate way so that the right children are seen in the right place. And really crucially, once they are referred to a a specialist centre, that there is an expectation from the, you know, that the child, their family, the general practitioner who's referring them can expect a certain level of assessment and care and actually to try and, you know, improve that and to kind of bench the mark that across all centres so that wherever you are in the country, wherever you're being referred, there's a certain standard of care that you can expect. Uh, from uh, from my perspective as a general practitioner, what would often happen is a, a child would be seen in hospital with an acute asthma attack and they'd be sent back to me in general practice to deal with. And what is it that stops hospital um, doctors from referring these children directly to a specialist? Especially when I think about the asthma death cases that I've dealt with where children are admitted 30, 40 times and nobody ever refers them directly to a specialist. what's, What's the problem? I think one of the problems is that recognition of asthma being a long-term condition. And so the, you know, the attack gets managed and often that can be managed appropriately, but asthma, you know, and then asthma is just seen as a series of attacks without that being joined up to say, actually, this isn't just, you know, one attack after the other. This is part of the long-term management of asthma. And actually it needs somebody with that expertise not just to look at the individual attack, but to look at the child as a whole and think about their overall asthma management. So I think there's a lot, that's kind of one issue is is that recognition that a, an asthma attack isn't just part of what you expect. If you have asthma, actually an asthma attack is a red flag and an opportunity to, to intervene. And then probably, you know, as I said, there is variability in terms of pathways. And so you know, in some centres, the pathway maybe go back to your GP and then get referred. Whereas really, we need to have much better pathways where these children, when they present with an attack, are identified. There's risk stratification so that they can be kind of reviewed in a timely way and referred appropriately. And also so that they can move much faster through the system. OK, so um, if you were to name the the top three um instances when children should be referred so both for parents or for general practitioners who are listening you mentioned a child who's had an attack or more than two attacks in a year should be referred are there any other red flags um 
uh, which would indicate a, a, a urgent referral is needed. So, so yes, that's I mean that's one of the key ones. Um, as I mentioned before, collecting kind of multiple um, sort of short-acting beta agonists or salbutamol. Again, that should be that red flag to say why is the child needing this amount? Do they really need this amount, or are they just being prescribed it for other reasons? But that should be a red flag. And um, as I say, symptom control. And then there are others. Um, so if there are other comorbidities that put them at higher risk, so for example, food allergies, if there are other concerns, for example, around diagnosis and again, kind of access to specialist centres gives access to a wider range of tests to actually say, you know, is this child not responding to treatment because they haven't got asthma and actually the treatment isn't the right treatment? And then um, safeguarding issues. So um, that's quite a complex area, but sometimes there can be um, issues in terms of um, whether it, related to safeguarding that mean that the kind of the input from a specialist team can be very helpful and then the other time this is you know this is an absolute this should be a direct you kind know, of do not pass go referral is if a child is admitted to intensive care so there should be no question at all that those children need following up there should be a direct referral to a specialist center yeah sadly we had in the national review of asthma deaths we had one child who was um, referred back to outpatients and the parents didn't bring the child for the appointment and the hospital discharged that child mm. from care and he subsequently died. Mm. Um, so I think that's an important one to mention. And also, I know that a lot of children are being treated in the, in the hospital general wards for severe asthma attacks. And unfortunately, the, the discharge letter doesn't often explain that. So um, for hospital doctors who are treating a child with a regime which is intended for a severe asthma attack, um, what sort of um, information should they be providing for the general practitioner and for the parents? So, I suppose in well, I suppose there's two two parts of that. One is in terms of describing the attack for kind of other medical professionals, so the GP, or if I'm seeing a child in clinic and I'm looking at their discharge summary, there's certain things that I'm looking for that help to kind of really describe the type of attack. So what their oxygen saturations were like, whether they needed intravenous treatment, kind of how they responded. And then there's the second part, which is the kind of the information to be shared in terms of kind of education with the child and their family around kind of exploring why the attack occurred, what the triggers were, and how a future attack can be avoided. And invariably, it really is around the treatment, taking the treatment regularly, and that treat the mainstay of treatment should be inhaled steroids for asthma. And because of this, you know, because asthma is variable, there are some days where a child can be very well and have very few symptoms, and then come in contact with the trigger and 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 have an increase in symptoms or an asthma attack. Despite that variability, asthma is a long-term condition. And therefore, the overview of treatment needs to be long term and it needs to treat the underlying cause. And that's why inhaled steroids are such an important part of asthma management, rather than just using short term relievers, which are just like putting a sticking plaster on. They might just work for a short time, but they're not doing anything to to kind of change the overall course of asthma. Good. OK, thanks. So so we've got a, a child who a general practitioner decides needs to be referred to a severe asthma clinic. Um, 
What what can that uh, parent expect to happen when that child turns up at the severe asthma clinic? When is that? Uh, are the tests done in outpatients, or does a child need admission? What what's the process? So again, it's very different. So different centres offer. Um, yeah, have quite different services. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll explain to you what we offer at the Royal Brompton. And we offer a multidisciplinary team approach. And we really aim to get as much information within the first kind of two appointments to really help to for us to understand the the type of asthma that the child has, the type of factors that are driving their symptoms and put a plan into place. So what that involves is every child who comes to clinic. So any child who can who is able to do spirometry, so the blowing tests will have spirometry as soon as they arrive. Um, we will measure their airway inflammation. We will carry out allergy testing. They'll be seen by the asthma nurse who'll go through their um, inhaler technique. They meet with the, um, the the doctor as well. And between the nurse and the doctor, we take a very full and comprehensive history. And what we're aiming to do within that, really that first appointment is to say, does this child have asthma? Are the tests that we've done today, are they suggestive of asthma? Do they fit with the clinical picture? Now, you cannot say on a one-off set of tests whether a child definitively doesn't have asthma it's easier to rule it in um, and you know if the tests are normal then we will then go on to do further testing and then the next question really is are all the symptoms due to asthma so just because a child has breathlessness or what they describe as wheeze it might not necessarily be because of asthma so we have physiotherapists who are part of our team and we will carry out breathing pattern assessments then why are the, the why are the, the next question is why are the symptoms poorly controlled? Why is the child having attacks? And we we very much look at factors such as adherence, so whether the treatment's being taken as prescribed. And we're actually using electronic monitors, which help us and also the child and the family to understand how often they're using the inhaler, um, the preventer inhaler. You know, and it's just kind of human nature that sometimes, you know, we think we're doing things more often than we than we are, or we think we're using our inhaler in a certain way that isn't necessarily accurate. So actually having the electronic monitors um, helps us to understand how much of the treatment the child is taking and then what their asthma control is like in the context of that known adherence. So when they come back from their, for their second appointment, then we collect um, the, the adherence data. And then other factors that we look at, we kind of look at their symptom control with the with a, um, a, a symptom score. We look at the number of attacks and um, we look at their the impact on their quality of life. And also we take a very detailed psychosocial history to help to understand, again, the kind of the context for that child and the impact it's having on them and their family. So what a lot of people believe, and there's doctors as well, I think, is that you can do a test and diagnose asthma, but you've clearly described the process and it requires a combination of lots of information. And then you need somebody with the knowledge to be able to combine that information and decide, yeah. has the child got asthma, is it severe, and what needs to be done. Um, so thanks, that that was a really nice explanation. So are there any things that, that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to add in, in terms of severe asthma? So actually, maybe coming back to the point that you just made in terms of diagnosis, I think, you know, you've, you've kind of summarised it very well. It is about putting those parts of the puzzle together. 
Um, it's not about just looking at kind of one test on one occasion. And I think as, as a team, we often see ourselves as as kind of trying to piece together the puzzle to help solve the um, the kind of the issues for the individual child. And I guess then the next thing that I mentioned in terms of severe asthma are additional treatments that are available. So as I say, you know, in general, inhaled steroids are the mainstay of treatment, but there is a threshold, you know, above which we wouldn't want to just keep on increasing and increasing. And there are other treatments available um, for children with severe asthma. So that's that's the next step. So I don't know if you want me to say any more about those. No, well, I, th- I think the important thing is that they can only be prescribed after an assessment by by somebody with expertise. And that's why it's so important that these children are referred to a specialist so that those treatments can be considered. And so to sum up, could you um, give us just some key messages, um, first for children and their parents, and then for healthcare professionals, including doctors, nurses, and pharmacists looking after people with asthma, and finally for decision makers, the people who are planning care and paying for the care? So for, for kind of children and their families, I would say that what you know, at the aims of asthma management should be that children should be going to school. They should be being able to go out all their normal activities, participating in PE. And if those things aren't the case, then their asthma isn't well enough controlled and they should be seeing their GP and asking for an onward referral. Um, I think for doctors looking after um, children with asthma or seeing children with asthma, my, my message would be when in doubt, refer I'd always much, much rather see children who are very, you know, much easier to sort out and I'm seeing at the beginning of their journey than actually, you know, as cases of you described where they've had lots and lots of courses of steroids. They've, you know, they're not at school, they're not participating in sport. You know, it doesn't have to get to that point before we can intervene. I would much rather be doing something earlier on. So any if in any doubt, then then refer early and look for those red flags. You know, an asthma attack isn't just what you expect with asthma. It's a red flag. That's an opportunity to intervene and, and do something. And once, you know, a child's had, you know, another attack, then then think about referring. Um, and then for policymakers, I would, you know, I think we we still need better systems. There's been a lot of of work done to try and improve asthma care. But even so, there is still variability in the care that children receive around the country. There's there's still different asthma centres are resourced in different ways. So the model that I've kind of described in terms of the the holistic MDT approach, the kind of looking at all those aspects of, of asthma care wouldn't necessarily be available everywhere because you know, the centre wouldn't necessarily be kind of resourced in that way. So I would really kind of advocate for having a stand, you know, a, an accepted standard of care that a severe asthma centre should provide and ensuring that it's commissioned to provide those services and, and funded appropriately. Thanks very much. That's a, a very clear summary with lots of clear messages. So thank you very much, uh, Louise, for joining me today. I really appreciate that. And I realise how busy you are. So thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Oh, thanks, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful, and I hope you did, please click the like and the follow buttons and share this podcast. Please do send me any feedback or questions to my email address, asthmaspotlight at gmail.com, and I'll do my best to answer these in future episodes.